0: Heavenly Father, we thank you for Simon. We thank you for all that he does for our church here. And we thank you that uh, you have given him the gift of preaching and teaching. And we pray for him now as he comes to share your word with us. May his spoken words be faithful to the written word and lead us to the living word. Amen.
1: Thank you, Andy. I don't know how much of you could see of Freddie down here, but I was really quite amused in that last song, because he comes out, and he staggers around, goes around in a circle, and as he goes back in, he grabs hold of the, the amp cord on David's guitar, and I thought, any minute, we're going to lose the guitar. <laughs> and then he wanders around, he comes around again, and the next time he gets hold of David's, um, what do you call these things, where you put the music He's on, and he starts doing that, like a little earthquake, and you can see David going... So... Uh, Yeah, so it's lovely, lovely, obviously, to have him here with us as well. Okay, I'm just going to lead us in a short prayer as well, if that's okay. Please, let us pray. Father, we come to you this morning. We come on this first Sunday of Advent. Uh, We come to wait upon you to remember all that uh, this time of year holds, as it were. But Lord, as we come round, and maybe as we've done this for many years... Uh, save us from our familiarity, I pray, with your word, Lord, that you might speak to us freshly in words that we may have heard many times. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I, I like what Angie said just before she stepped down. You know, you know, you know Simon's speak, spoken word might obviously you know, be drawing from a written word which leads us to the living word. And I think that's absolutely right. And, it's, and whenever we come and we look at God's word together, let us not forget. You know, we come to a living word and a word that can speak into our hearts and into our lives. Um, so, Advent 52, uh, Advent 52, Isaiah 52, right? Get on with it. All right, not Isaiah 7, Isaiah 52. Um, and as I said, this is a passage that is, is heard in churches quite frequently at this time of year. And it just, those four verses we heard read by Johnny describe the joy of the Jews who had been in exile in Babylon for almost 70 years when they received a message of good news, a message of very good news. And that good news was that King Cyrus of Assyria had overthrown the great, powerful Babylonian empire And it opened up the prospect for the Jews in exile after all those years of living in captivity, in servitude, they are now set free once more to return home to Israel. The good news was the prospect of being set free of the forces that so long had held them in subjugation. Free to return to to Jerusalem and free and the joy of of worshipping God in the temple there. Now, the reason that this passage is often read at Advent is that Advent, likewise, as Andy has already said, is a time of waiting, is a time of anticipation for the arrival of the messenger with good news, with wonderful news. I'm sure you will recall the greeting that the angels sung, as it were, to the shepherds on the night of Jesus' birth. Do not be afraid, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Jesus, Israel's long-awaited Messiah, who came simply in human form, a form we can all naturally relate to. Jesus coming as the long-awaited Emmanuel, God with us. Again, in Isaiah's prophecies, which are about 600 years before Jesus, uh, in Isaiah 7, Isaiah writes, The Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and you will call him Emmanuel. Now, when there are times of seemingly only silence and hopelessness, God speaks and acts Giving cause for real joy and hope. In the first verse of our reading, there's a prophetic proclamation by Isaiah that your God reigns. And hopefully, that's one we're up behind me now. And it's so important to take this note of this, as this is the, as it were, the foundational truth of all that follows in this prophecy. The reason that God's people can have joy and hope even in difficult times, which we all experience at different times in our lives, is because we know and we trust that our God reigns. This declaration is something I think even as mature Christians, we need to hear again and again and again throughout our lives because we so quickly seem to somehow forget that this is the case. And especially in these days where we seem to be in a world which seems to lurch from one tragedy to another, we must not forget this truth that our God reigns. So I hope as you've come here this morning to hear, to, to worship together and to hear God's word together, that uh, you come here to hear a message of good news. Who, who would like to hear a message of good news this morning? Oh, good, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Otherwise, if, if I hadn't got a response from that, I was going to just take these <laughs> and go. We, we can get so easily dragged down by bad news, all of us, right? Uh, we get bombarded with it, day after day. It comes through our TVs, our radios, it comes through the Internet. And we can start to lose sight lose the sight that we as followers of God in Christ are people of great joy and eternal hope. Joy because of the hope that we have been given in Jesus. A hope that we trust in for it is underwritten by Isaiah's proclamation again here. Our God reigns. So at Advent, at Christmas time, we are reminded once again of the very good news, that God came personally to humankind, to all who would receive him and trust in his sovereign power and his authority to both save us and to set us free from all that binds us. So we're going to look at these four verses in Isaiah's prophecy, but as we do so, it's good to appreciate the historical context, but I would also say it's really so much, almost as more important to recognize the significance for us today, to take hold of the fulfillment of these words that we see in the birth of Jesus many hundred years later after Isaiah. So let's let's just look at some of those verses, just four short verses. How, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. How beautiful are the feet. Now, feet are not often considered very beautiful, are they? In Isaiah's day, they would normally have been very dirty, dusty, even for people who could afford a pair of sandals. But Isaiah refers to these feet as beautiful because it is those humble, grubby feet that are instrumental in carrying the messenger and therefore the message of good news as well. A message of peace, a message of good tidings, a message of salvation and hope. It is good news, a wonderful message of God's grace offered to all. Surely when we consider the magnitude of the offer of God's grace, then even the humblest soul who takes something of that message to another person can be considered to have beautiful feet too. It isn't the messenger who needs to be someone special. They're almost totally secondary. It is the message that is really special. Imagine if you've fallen off a boat in a storm and you were aware of your imminent peril and were rapidly losing all hope of ever being saved. But then you catch sight of some stranger throwing a life belt and a line in for you. Would that not be a most beautiful sight in your eyes? A cause for joy, a cause for hope, even though you are still in the midst of the sea and the turmoil of the storm we have all the potential to be carriers of good news, carriers of the gospel. Though sadly, we sometimes choose not to care, not to bother. But when we think back to the person or persons who brought the gospel to us, would we not acknowledge what a beautiful thing it was for them to do for us? As Christians, we proclaim a message of salvation that is founded on the rock of Christ, a recognition that God is sovereign, and therefore his offer and promise of salvation to all peoples is one that can be trusted in as firm and sure. Even when we can't see evidence of God's sovereignty in this world, scripture continues to declare to us, your God reigns. And knowing this, and knowing that he has put our feet on a firm ground, in a place from which we can proclaim that message to others, to all who are continuing to struggle in the mar of life, continuing to try and find meaning in life without the creator of life. Psalm 40, a few verses come to mind on this. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and a mire, He set my feet on a rock and he gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed, blessed is the one who makes the Lord his trust. Advent Christmas is a special opportunity to proclaim the good news to sing, as it were, that new song, to sing that hymn of praise to our God, as we, too, are reminded once again of the birth of Jesus, through whom this grace-filled offer of God is made a reality in our lives. Might we be especially aware of that fact this season, aware of what we have received with such joy, knowing deep in our hearts that this is wonderful good news, but it is wonderful good news that is intended to be a beautiful gift to others too, to wandering and lost souls. Now, Isaiah speaks of the joy that is to be found in sharing the good news. On to the next couple of verses. Listen, your watchmen, they lift up their voices. Together they shout for joy. When the Lord returns to Zion, they will see it with their own eyes. Raise up your voices, he says, not just one or two of you, but all of you together. Tell the world about your news. Shout it out with joy. A joyful witness, but it's not just about one or two keen individuals in a church who think they've got a bit of a calling to evangelism, but it's about the whole community, sharing with others the reason for their hope. The eager hope of those who trust in the Lord's word, knowing that one day they will see him, not from a distance, but personally, face to face, with their own eyes, that scripture said. With their own eyes, they will see him. But this verse, my contains a burst of prophetic insight that we actually also see in Job, the book of Job. When he was right in the mire and and in a very difficult place, he wrote these words, like a brilliant light, that come out in in, uh, chapter 19 of Job. He says, Oh, that my words were recorded, that they were written on a scroll, you know, a permanent thing, that they were inscribed with an iron tool on lead or engraved in rock forever. I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him. With my own eyes I will see him. I, not another, how my heart yearns within me. The goal of faith is constant waiting, trusting, yearning, longing for that day. We're not grasping at straws, we're not wishing on a star, but it is simply an act of simple trust in God and all that we know of him through the Holy Scriptures, all that he has done already for us, and all that he says he will do too. We are all watch people, men and women, waiting, as it were, on the walls of the city for our Lord's return. It's interesting, they're on the walls of the city. They're not in a private place. They're in a public place, waiting for their Lord's return. They're in the public gaze. But they're people who are not idle, but who call out, who lift up their voices together so that others might hear them proclaiming with joy the year of the Lord's favor. You will no doubt remember the words that Jesus quoted in the synagogue one day. from from Isaiah 61, when he commenced his earthly ministry. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. This is the message that Jesus embodied as he commenced his ministry And that he continues to pass on us through his spirit. One is a message that must continue to be spoken out, out of joy, both in this Christmas season, but not only at Christmas. Question for you, maybe it's something you might want to take away and think about. Who could you be those beautiful feet to this Christmas season? Just think around your work context, your family, your friends. Who could you be beautiful feet to this season? And also, another question we can ask ourselves honestly as church is when we get together to sing about the joy and the hope we have in the Lord, is it being done visibly and openly? Are we on the walls? Or are we hidden in some little cupboard somewhere? Verse 9 of our reading, Burst into songs of joy together. Burst into songs of joy, you ruins of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. I think in this prophecy, there's an emphasis on corporate joy, corporate witness. But even in the midst of the ups and downs of life, we continue to declare our God reigns. And in this we can find great comfort, for we know he will make good all that he has promised. So, the last verse the Lord will lay bare his holy harm in the sight of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. Isaiah says that in the sight of all the nations, God will bear his holy arm. He would, as it were, reveal himself and make himself more personally and intimately known. In the birth of Jesus, God showed his sovereignty not through a display of worldly power, but but through vulnerability and powerlessness in the gift of a newborn child. God shows us that he is absolutely in control by making himself known through the weakest of things. Only God could dare to do such a thing, make such a display of vulnerability and weakness and love, whilst knowing that his will will be done. Jesus' name, you probably know, is the Greek form of a Hebrew name, Joshua, which means the Lord saves. And I was thinking as I was preparing this message, but maybe he was given that name. It's a bit like someone writing on the tin telling you what the contents are. Just in case you missed the point, the Lord says, it's on the tin, (laughs) read the writing. John, one of the apostles, in 1 John 4, he says, we have seen, and we testify, we tell you, that the Father has sent his Son. He sent him to be the Savior of the world. Again, another thought I had, how many times does he have to tell me that for me to hear it I know he tells me again and again and I imagine you can relate to that as well In Jesus God's final and greatest message of salvation has been known to the entire world not in awesome power but in a personal presence and we as sinners we are invited to stop trusting in our own strength in our worldly wisdom, our cleverness, but in one sense instead to become weak, become vulnerable too, knowing that we are completely safe and held in his hands because he is who he says he is. And Isaiah is so confident of that in his prophecy. As he says, the Lord reigns, but then he closes these verses with, and all the earth will see the salvation of Of our God. So just to close. And try and draw this little message back into Andy's theme. I wish it could be Christmas every day. If we think about what Christmas really means. In the light of this word. Christmas is a time of joyful witness. It's a time of celebrating together a certain hope. It is a time of peace. Peace with one another and peace with God. So if I was to say, I wish it could be Christmas every day with that perspective on it, then it wouldn't be so much about the glitter and the glitz of the season. It wouldn't be so much about the food or the drink of the season. Certainly wouldn't be about what's on telly, because there's nothing on telly, so you forget that. But it's more about being a community of believers, witnessing joyfully to the Lord, Every day of the year, I think if you did it every day of the year, then we could say, I wish it could be Christmas every day. But you'd have that sort of perspective on every day of the year. It's a season for giving gifts. The gospel is the best gift we can ever give. Hope, joy, peace. You won't find those in a store or on an internet store, whatever you look at to do your shopping. Life both now in the, in the company of Jesus and life with our Lord forever. What a gift. So just to close, I just want to ask a couple of simple questions for you to reflect on. I'm not going to ask anybody to say anything. What gift will I give this Christmas? And the other one is taking it out of the Christmas context. What gift will I be giving in the year that lies ahead? As Isaiah says, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. Amen. Father God, we want to give you thanks for your word, an ancient word from Isaiah, and a word that brings us starkly. as we see the birth of Jesus and the good news that comes in Christ. Lord, may it not cease there. May the gift you've given us through others be a gift that continues to, as it were, flow out of our lives into the lives of others, that others may be blessed, that others may know you, and that others may follow you. For we ask this in the good name of our Lord. Amen. Shall I introduce the song? So we're going to uh, we're going to stand once more, and we're going to sing together. Uh, Fittingly, the song "Our God Reigns."
2: We are
0: mentor that. Please do sit down. So uh, now I'm going to invite Anthea to lead us in our prayers of intercessions, which she's going to do from her seat over there. So let's uh, pray together.
3: We thank you for being there with us in our ups and downs, even though we may sometimes feel you are not around. Forgive us for doubting you, for worrying, and for trying to work everything out on our own. Help us to trust you more. May we recognise and believe that you are able to accomplish far more than we can ever think possible, and that we can be content in every circumstance. Thank you that your sin and death have been conquered by Christ, and that your power is everlasting. Help us never to forget or take for granted this huge gift of love on our behalf. Help us not to hide this great truth or to keep it to ourselves of fear of judgment. Forgive us for being too busy or distracted of of other things, for not fully recognizing what you have freely given and what you have done for us. We love and lean on you in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: So now we're going to come to our final song today, uh, our final hymn. It's uh, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus, um, and it's a version which has a couple of extra verses in the middle, um, which feel really apt for this Advent time. So let's stand together and sing.